purpose. If you have your Bibles, let's go back to Proverbs, the 19th chapter, verse number 21. That'll be our taking our scripture along with Romans, the 8th chapter, verse 28 through 30. Fulfilling our purpose. And today we're going to talk about what it means to equip, be equipping uh, the saints so that we can fulfill our purpose. We've been sharing with you the last three Sundays about engaging. And what I've discovered is, and, and you know this to be true, many times we're reluctant to engage engage with other believers because of various situations that we've had in our past. But I'm here to tell you that if we're going to be the church that is transforming a generation, if we're going to be the church that's transforming our community, we have to engage with one another. Amen. Everybody say engage. So today we're going to talk about equipping. Now, the text says this. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will what prevail. Let's say one more time. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Go to Romans, the eighth chapter, verse number 28. Romans eight, verse number 28. Glory to God. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his what? Purpose for them. I need everybody to pick up and say, God has a purpose for me. Next verse says what? 29. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Next verse says what? And having chosen them, he called them to come to him and having called them, he gave them right standing with himself and having given them right standing, He gave them what? He gave them his glory. Amen. He gave him his glory. Now, again, fulfilling our purpose. And we're going to talk about equipping today. Now, again, uh, as we started, we said that in order to fulfill our purpose, there are three things that we got to we got to hone in on and make sure that we put into practice in our individual lives. Fulfilling our purpose requires us, number one, to do what? Come on. Y'all remember this? What? To engage. To engage. If I say engage, y'all know what it means to engage, right? That means to connect. If somebody comes to you and say, I'm engaged to Sarah uh, and we're going to get married, that means that there's a connection there. Engagement involves connecting, okay? Engage, and then we got to do what? Equip, and then we got to do what? Empower, amen? Under engagement, we said engage others through genuine relationships, sharing our lives and the gospel together. Our relationships should demonstrate steadfast commitment to Jesus and his word. Amen. And and, and, and so so we got to engage. Uh, now, again, we got to get past that, that reluctance to engage because we don't want to do relationships very well. That's what we're working on. We're working on engaging. We're working on put, preparing ourselves to connect with other believers so that we can have a unified front. Guys, if, I, if, if there's nothing else I, 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 I don't, if, I, if there's anything else I don't know, one thing I do know is this. The enemy is seeking to divide the church. The enemy does not want the church to be unified. As a matter of fact, the enemy does not want your family to be unified because he knows that if you are unified, if you come together with the on the common ground of Jesus Christ, that there's nothing in the world he can do to stop you. Amen. From accomplishing God's will in your life. So he seeks to divide us, whether it's along racial lines, whether it's along denominational lines. 
uh, along whatever line that he wants to do. He, he's all about dividing, but we come to engage. Now, again, let's go to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, because today I want to talk about equipping. And we're going to start our reading at verse number seven of Ephesians, chapter number four, because here's what I discovered. Even there are times when people do engage uh, with ministry and they engage, they join a church, they unite with a church. Uh, and, and maybe maybe even try to get connected with other believers, but sometimes we don't p- put ourselves in a position to be equipped to do the work of the ministry. Watch what the text says here in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse number seven. Are you there with me? Let's read. However, this is Paul talking to the saints at Ephesus. However, he has given each one of us a what? Special gift through the generosity of Christ. Verse eight, let's read. That is why the scriptures say when he ascended to heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Next verse says what? Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. Next verse. Come on. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Next verse. Let's go. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility, everybody said their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Amen. The next verse says this will continue how long? Until we all come To such what? Unity in our faith. There's that word again, unity. Remember I told you, the devil is all about division. He wants to divide you at every level of life. Individually, he wants to divide you from your walk with the Lord. Family-wise, he wants to divide you from the walk with your husband your wife. Amen. With your children. He wants to divide you from fellow church members. He wants to divide you from community members. He does not like unity because he knows when we unify Ain't nothing he can do with us. So he, he works overtime to divide us. The text says, the unity of our faith and knowledge in God's son, that we will be what? Mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And that's what we after, guys. All right, so let's look at some key points here. I want to lay these key points out to you so that as we go through this text, you can have these emblazoned in your mind. Talking about equipping today. Everybody say equipping. Say, I need to be equipped for the work of ministry. Key point number one, our goal is to see the world transformed by Jesus Christ. Read it with me. Say, our goal is to see the world transformed by Jesus Christ. Now, now, see, listen, guys, true Hear me carefully. True and lasting change only happens by Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say it again. True and lasting change only happens by Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever heard have somebody in your life uh, that you were in a relationship with told you they were going to make a change? And they, and they said it out loud. They promised you. They even put the hand on the Bible and swore before God. 
How many of y'all remember back in the day, that was, that was a thing that you, you know, you wouldn't do that unless you were really serious, right? Put your hand on the Bible and we say, swear for God. Anybody remember that? And even today, you know, when, 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 you, when, you, when, you, when you really are serious about telling the truth, you, you, you swear before God. So help me God. So, but now, that, but we've, we've had people who tell us that, that they want to change. And, and, but again, they do good for two or three weeks or maybe a month or three months. And then they revert back to the old habits. And one of the reasons why that happens is, is I don't think that people recognize that true and lasting change happens by Christ Jesus. It comes by Christ Jesus. Now, the other thing I want you to see as we look at this, we desire as a church to see worldwide transformation by Jesus Christ. Worldwide transformation by Jesus Christ. Everybody say by Jesus Christ. Jesus does the transformation, not EBC. Can I say that again? Jesus does the transformation and not EBC. You can be a part of a church and you can be a, you, you could you could have been a member here for the last 45, 50 years and still be the same way you were when you got saved 45, 50 years ago. Because being a member of the church, uh, giving your tithes and offering is not a, a it's not a guarantee that you're going to change. Transformation does not come by just being a member of the church. Are you with me today? Now, as, as a matter of fact, go, go to Romans the 12th chapter. I, I, y'all know I love this passage. Romans 12 and 2. Let's look at this right quick. Talking about equipping. Romans 12 and 2. Can we read out loud no purpose? Let's read. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God, watch this, let God, let God, let Pastor Adams, did it say Pastor Adams? Let Yvonne Bartley, did it say Yvonne Bartley? Let, let Tony White, let Charles Hardiman transform you. No, 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 no. It says, but let God transform you into a new person by doing what? By changing the way you think. So it says, let God transform you. Y'all know Jesus Christ and God are one and the same. God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the Word became flesh and dwelt among men. So Jesus and God are one and the same. So transformation comes by God, by Jesus Christ. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So we desire to see worldwide transformation by Jesus Christ. Jesus does the transformation, not EBC. That's why you, you can have people who are members of this church. And guys, let me tell you something. When you, when you say that you are a member of a local church congregation, you actually represent that church wherever you go. Do you understand me? If you're at school, you represent your church at school. If you're in the workplace, you represent your church in your workplace. If you're in Walmart on Black Friday and everybody's lined up and people pushing, fighting, doing whatever, you as a born again believer are representing Jesus Christ. Now, guys, hear me carefully. You are representing Christ. You are representing EBC. 
So what does that mean? That means that as a representative of Christ and a representative of EBC, I am accountable for my actions away from this place. Now, guys, listen to, let, let, me, let, me, let me tell you this right quick. Your effectiveness and my effectiveness as a disciple of Jesus Christ will be limited if we don't understand that principle. And then we just go off into our emotions saying whatever we want to say, how we want to say it to whoever we want to say it. God is holding us accountable. And if you are a member of a church, your church body should hold you accountable for how you act away from here. I hear some of y'all like, well, you know, I'm, my own, I'm, my own, I'm a grown man. I'm a grown woman. I don't need nobody telling me what to do. Well, listen, baby, the Bible says this, that we are our brother's keepers. The Bible says that we have a responsibility as a church to judge those in the church who are sinning. All right. Y'all don't believe me. Y'all don't believe fat me greasy, do you? Go to 1 Corinthians 5th chapter. Some of you old, old heads know what that means, right? 1 Corinthians 5th chapter. Watch this at the very end of it. We're going to go down to, I think it's uh, uh, verse number 9. Go to verse number 9. Verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 5th. We have a responsibility when we're, when we're members of a church to act a certain way. But we know that the transformation comes out by God, by Jesus Christ. And he transforms us how? By changing the way we think. Now listen, guys, if we, if we honest, all of us got some messed up way of thinking that came from our families of origin. Some of the stuff that we learn and how we act comes from the family that we grew up in. And some of it, if the truth be told, is not godly and it's hindering us from being that disciple that God desires for us to be. Watch what the text says here. Paul is writing here to the church at Corinth. This is, I, I mentioned this on last Sunday where this guy here had this, this, this relationship going with his stepmother and the church didn't address the issue. Look at what he says. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. Look at what it says. Next verse says what? But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or who are greedy or who cheat people or who worship idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. Listen to what he says. In order to not be around people who sinning like that, you got to leave earth. That's what he says, right? He says, I'm not talking about the world. I'm not talking about people who don't have a relationship with God. I am talking about somebody who has declared that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. But they're walking in a way that's not indicative of that confession of faith. That's who I'm talking about. And look at what he says. Come on, let's read the next verse. I meant that you're not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer. Y'all not reading this with me. I, I need y'all to read it and get it down in your spirit. Look at what Paul says here. Watch this because we are accountable to one another. Now, if you have the mindset that, well, you know, what I do is my own business, then you don't understand what, what it means to be a disciple for Jesus Christ. And maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's the problem because you don't understand what it means to be a disciple. So you, you think, well, I don't want them church folk in my business. Church folk. We're supposed to be a family of faith. And we are connecting so that we can help each other to grow. Amen. Is everybody with that? All right. So as your pastor, guys, listen, as your pastor, I love you enough to tell you the truth. I love you enough to just tell it like a T.I.T. is. Y'all remember that? 
I'm going to tell it like a TIT. I'm going to tell it even when you don't want to hear it. Because I love you enough to make you mad at me. Amen? And I know, I know you ain't got to tell me. Some of y'all been mad at me before. I know that. But that's okay. As long as we stay connected. Huh? All right, watch this, watch this. So, 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 so when we win, we win, we win covenant relationship, you, you're going to get mad. You don't get mad at your wife every time. You, you don't leave her every time you get mad at your wife, do you? I hope you don't. You don't leave your husband every time you're mad at him because some of y'all would have been left a thousand times, wouldn't you? In a week. Now watch this, watch this. Look at what the text says. Can we walk together? I meant that you're not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer who indulges in sex sin or is greedy or worship idols or is abusive or is a drunkard. We got drunk Christians. Y'all know that, right? We shouldn't. But the sad reality is that we do. Watch this. Or greedy or worship idols or is abusive or is a drunkard or who cheats people. We got Christians who are unscrupulous business people. They're not honest. They'll lie to get a sale. Hello? They'll lie to get the contract, tell you what they can and what they are going to do, and then when you look up, they didn't do what they said they were going to do, and they're getting mad at you because you called them on the carpet because they didn't do what they said they were going to do. Watch this. Or chase people. Don't even, look at what he says. When you got to believe, this is Paul, because now what is Paul doing? Paul is trying to get people who are living that way and think it's okay to live that way and still be a part of a church family. He's trying to get them to repent so they can get back into fellowship with God because you cannot be in fellowship with God when you're living in darkness. Light has no fellowship with darkness. Hello? Light has no fellowship with darkness. Look at what it says. So he's trying to get them to repent. So until there is Judgment or pressure put on people who are living this way, they'll could keep on living this way and not repent because they think it's okay. I, I love Jesus, but I, I just do whatever I want to do. No, no, no. It says don't even eat with such people. All right, now here we go. Here we go. Now it's a difference if you're trying to mess with somebody, somebody who's struggling, but he's talking about people who don't who don't have no 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 conviction. They just keep on doing this stuff and they're not trying to get out of it. That's who he's talking about. He's not talking about somebody who's struggling, who's striving, who's trying to overcome, and there's a difference. There's a difference with somebody who's struggling with something, who's trying to overcome something, and somebody who's just wallowing in sin. Y'all know what it means to wallow? Y'all ever saw a pig wallowing in slop? In the mud. Don't be a Christian who's wallowing in sin. He says, don't even eat with such people. Next verse says what? Come on, watch this. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility. It certainly is your responsibility. Who is, who is your? The church. He's talking to the church at Corinth. He says, your responsibility is to judge those inside the church who are doing what? Those who are inside the church who are sinning. Look at verse number 13. Watch this. God will judge those on the outside. But as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. Now, what is he, what is he telling us? He's saying that if as a church body, we have a member who's just living foul. I mean, just living in, in open, unrepentant sin. Then as a church family... He says, judge that. And if that and you judging it means that you declare that that style of living is not right. 
You do it in the spirit of love. You go to the person. You don't blab it all over church, but you go to the person first. And if he hears you, you gain your brother. Then you bring to the other brother with you. And if he hears you, your things are well. But if he and then if he still doesn't hear you, you bring him for a church council. You don't bring it for the whole church because the whole church ain't mature enough to handle judging. Some of us are not mature enough to, to evaluate the situation and determine the correct course of action based on what scripture teaches us. And if he doesn't hear that counsel, that wise counsel, then it says you are to just you are to disfellowship. That's what Jesus said. You ought to say, listen, you cannot be a part of this, you cannot be a part of this body living like that purposefully and without without trying to get out of it. Is everybody with me? All right, so so if I'm going to be a disciple, I got to I got to submit to the rulership of Jesus Christ. That's what we just learned, right? So so we desire. Let's get back to our point. Our goal is to see the world transformed by Jesus Christ. We desire to see worldwide transformation by Jesus Christ. Jesus does the transformation, not EBC. He says he changes us our behavior by changing the way we think. However, even though he's the one that does the changing. Guys, we're supposed to be the influencers. We are supposed to be influencers. Let's go to Matthew, the fifth chapter, right quick. Verse number 13. We are to be influencers. Everybody say influencers. We're supposed to be the people who are influencing other believers, just like other believers should influence us. How many of y'all do know that, that, that who you hang with is a picture of the window into who you are. Watch this. Who you hang with can determine your course of, of action. Now, I'm talking about as a believer now. See, we're supposed to be influenced. That means that, that as a believer, I need to make sure, I need to make sure that when I connect with a person, that I have my mind in the right place. Because God called me to be influenced. Look at what he says here in Matthew 5th chapter. Verse number 13, you are what? The salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? How can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are what? The light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Next verse says what? No one lights a lamp and then puts it on a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light. To everyone, what? In the house. Look at verse 16. In the same way. In the same way as what? In the same way that, 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 a, that a lamp or a candle, when it's lit in the house, it brings light to the whole house. Y'all with me? If all of a sudden, if I, if I wasn't scared to do it, I'll tell, tell my light crew to just blank the whole church out, but it may, it may not come back right. But if they turn the lights off, then now we have darkness. But as soon as light comes, we're able to see, right? So what it's saying is we as Christians should be like that light in that dark place. Yes, there are going to be times when God calls upon us to enter into a place of darkness for the purpose of ministering and influencing. Let me say this right quick. You, don't, you and I shouldn't go back into a dark place if we're not equipped first to minister in that dark place. Now, you can't go back and hang with your guys you get drunk with if you still got that, that you still weak in that area. And then, and then they, they pass the bottle and say, hey, top it off, top it off. Y'all know what I mean to top it off? 
I'm sure my age, bro, Carl. Top it off. And if I, if I can't resist topping it off, if I can't resist taking that swing, then I need to stay away until I can get myself equipped to go and minister to those who, who God has called me to minister and share with. Think of what it says. In the same way, let your, let your in, in the same way that the light shines in a dark room, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. So do, do the good works so that other men can see it, but you don't get the praise, God gets the praise. Is everybody still with me today? All right, so, so our goal is to see the world transformed by Jesus Christ, and we want to reach every person we come in contact with. That's our goal. It, it, all, all, who, all who are lost, we want to see them get saved. We want to reach every person we come in contact with. So as a born-again believer, as a member of the EBC, of the Elizabeth Baptist in Louisiana, when we go out into the world, when we go out to our places of employment, our schools, uh, and our homes, our, our, our mindset should be so focused on the Lord that we're trying to see, Lord, who do you want me to connect with today? And how can I be an influence for you in this very hour? So we want to reach every person we come in contact with. The next thing is, we have been called to lead. Key point. See, is we've been called to lead. We've been called to lead. Leading means that we act upon our faith and engage, everybody say engage, engage in intentional relationships to present the gospel and invite people to surrender their lives to Christ. That's why we're here, guys. Jesus saved us and left us here so that we could engage in intentional relationships. That means that on purpose, I decide today when I go to work, that, that, that person that nobody at work's like, how many of y'all got somebody at work or at school that, that, that when you talk to a, a majority of people, they, they, they don't really like that person? Okay, all right. Let me back up. How many of y'all know somebody at work or at school where it's hard for people to get along with them? Let me put it that way. Y'all know somebody like that? Okay, gotcha. So if, and maybe they are, maybe they are foul mouth, maybe they, 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 they get into stuff, maybe they don't treat people right, and maybe it's that person that everybody is talking about. Have you ever thought about the fact that maybe God has you in that place to reach that person that everybody's talking about? Has it ever come to your mind? Have you ever thought that God has placed you strategically in that spot to minister to that person that nobody, nobody likes? And maybe that person is acting that way because they got some, 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 some insecurity, some things on the inside of them that they have never really dealt with. And maybe they know people don't like them, so they get mean because they know people don't like them. Guys, let me tell you something. We have to be intentional. Leading means that we act upon our faith. And we engage in intentional relationships for the purpose of presenting the gospel. And we invite people to surrender their heart to the Lord. We need to, we need to understand that. We want to lead people into a relationship with Christ and see them grow in their relationship and share Christ with others. Go to 2 Timothy 2 and 2 right, right quick. 2 Timothy 2 and 2. Watch what Paul says to his young protege in the ministry by the name of Timothy. He talks to Timothy, who's a young pastor. Look at what he tells Timothy. Y'all there? Let's read. You heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Watch what it says. Now, he's telling Timothy, now teach these truths 
The things you've heard from me, Paul says, teach these truths to other what? Trustworthy people. Teach them to what? Trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. So in the body of Christ, guys, there's some things that, that, that let me put it this way. Sometimes we waste time with people who are not trustworthy, who are not faithful, and trying to get them to do the work of the ministry. And until they get their mind made up, you're wasting your time. Jesus put it this way, don't throw your pearls before the swine. And here's what I learned after 31 years of ministry. After 31 years of ministry, I, I know some folks aren't bought in yet. Some members of EBC are not bought in yet. Oh, you come to church. Yes, if you die, you're going to heaven. If we have your funeral, we're going to celebrate your life because to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. But you ain't ready to be a disciple yet. You're not bought in. You hit and miss. You here today, gone tomorrow. Up, down, level to the ground. When God says be steadfast, what? Unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. There are many members of, of churches across this country who are not bought in yet. And so you waste your time in a lot of cases because that person, won't even, first of all, they ain't going to come to be taught. And they got every excuse in the world why they can't come to be taught. And I'm gonna, here's what I've learned during this pandemic. You got time and you've had a lot of time. Because a lot of us aren't going. How many of y'all are eating out less since the pandemic? I mean, I mean, go and sit down in a restaurant and eat. Come on, raise your hand. I, I know Maria and I spend a lot of time eating at restaurant. That's our fellowship time. But we've been going pick stuff up. How many of y'all been picking stuff up? All right, so that time that you would have been sitting there eating, you got time to get the food and eat it, but at the same time, you got, you got more time. Many of y'all have wore Netflix out. Can we talk? You don't watch, you don't, you, you, you binge watch every series on Netflix since this pandemic and haven't spent five minutes in your word. And you tell me you don't have time. No, you don't have an appetite. Everybody say, I got time. I just got to get the appetite. Because when you got an appetite for something, come on, you know, I'm, you, you know I'm right about. When you have an appetite for something, can't nobody keep you away from it. Man, I'm, I'm telling you, what, I'm telling you what, I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. I drove an hour to get some ribs that I was craving. Drove from here to Magnolia, Arkansas to get some ribs. Because I had an appetite for it. Anybody else in the house? Some of y'all have dro- driven miles to get your mama's pound cake. So when you got an app, some of y'all, okay, some of y'all have driven hours to connect with somebody in Dallas who you've been dating. <sighs> y'all still ain't getting it, are you? Some of y'all have taken great risk to connect and fulfill your appetite for a person and it caused you a downfall in your relationship because your appetite was so strong, you took a risk and you lost your job. Because the military said there's no fraternizing between officers and, 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 and those who serve up under them. But, but because, because the appetite was so strong, 
you as an officer had your career short-circuited because your appetite for that person was so strong. Am I, get, am I hitting home with somebody? See, when you got that appetite on your mind, when it's on your mind, you, you'll block everything else out. What God is saying, hunger for my word to the point to where you set aside a time. That's one of our challenges this month. In application, set aside a time where you don't allow any interruptions to come in and, and infiltrate your time with the Lord. As newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word that you may what grow thereby. Some of y'all thinking about some appetites you got, right? What kind of food appetites we got out there? How many of y'all want some greens? We, get, we, we eating some collard greens at the house today. I'm gonna, why for some collard greens? Yeah, somebody say mustard. I like collards. Sweet potatoes, some baked pork chop, Laura. I know you know how to throw down, Laura. I know you do. I know you do. But see, when you put that on the table, that appetite is, is stimulated. God is saying, as a newborn baby, desire the sincere milk of the word so that you can grow thereby. So God is saying, get an appetite. We want to reach every person. We've been called to lead. We are, we are, we've been called to lead. We want to lead people into a relationship with Christ and see them grow in their relationship and share Christ with others. So Paul says, uh, as he talks to Timothy, he tells Timothy, listen, the thing that, 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 that I've uh, put into you, give that to trustworthy people who have an appetite for the things of God, who will be able to teach others also. Now, minister of the God, every minister of this house, listen, you, listen, it, it, even if you don't preach every week, you got to have an appetite for the word of God so that when you are when we are doing different things that, that you as a minister can connect and people can trust that you have did your study. Hello, sometimes people don't receive from us because we hadn't did we hadn't had a strong enough appetite for the word of God to get into the book and read. Yet we want to say something. I was, some of y'all, I think Mita and Kevin, some others, uh, sister, I don't know, sister Barbara, some other ones, Jacqueline, that are part of Bible study fellowship. And Bible study, I think one of the, one of the tenets of Bible study fellowship is if you don't do your homework, they don't let you talk. Is that, am I right, Mita? You can't come up in there and talk about everything but the lesson. And that's what people do who hadn't studied. They want to talk about something they know. And not what they don't know, because they don't know the lesson because they didn't have an appetite for it. So they, they make sure that you have done your homework before you're allowed to, to share on the lesson. And I, and I guess, guys, I think that's, that's, that's critically important that we take our, our, our time with God that seriously, okay? So guys, next point I want you to keep on. We are a ministry that focuses on salvation, sanctification, and replication. Everybody say salvation, sanctification, and replication. Say it one more time. Say salvation, sanctification, and replication. Now watch this. Salvation is, is when, when I first invite Christ into my heart to save me. I, I, I experience salvation. Positionally, I am in Christ. I'm a part of the body of Christ, right? So I'm in Christ, but then there's a process that has to take place. When I make the decision, that's not the end of it. When I make the decision, guys, that's only the beginning. It's the beginning of my faith journey. 
Now I have to enter into what we call sanctification, that purifying process where stuff that's in me got to come out of me. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you got some stuff in you that needs to come out of you. Live stream audience, you got some stuff in you that needs to come out of you. That's that sanctification process that we're talking about. That means being the longer I'm saved, the more I should look like Christ. So I get saved, salvation. Then I go through the process of sanctification, which is part of the equipping. Amen. So, so, so in other words, something that I used to do that used to hang me up five years ago shouldn't be hanging me up five years in the future. I need to put the word of God on that, get around some brothers and sisters who can hold me accountable, and let's walk through that thing so that now I can put that behind me. How many of y'all since you've been saved have done something that, that, you, that you're not proud of? I know every, every hand need to rate, every hand need to go, because the Bible, the Bible says the man who said he had no sin is lying. So, now again, it doesn't give us an excuse for it, but all of us have made choices and decisions that we wish we could have back. So, but Here's what, here's what I've learned. If you will take that experience, that bad choice and that bad decision and learn from it and allow God to teach you through it, you can be a better Christian prepared to help somebody else along the way. If you learn from it. Some folks don't learn from it. You can tell they don't learn from it because they keep making bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. If you keep making bad decisions over and over again, that means you had not learned anything. I don't want to waste a bad decision. I'm going to learn from it. Amen. Now, now, the next thing, key point is we engage people where they are in their spiritual journey. We, everybody say we, engage people where they are in their spiritual journey. In other words, when I come to a person, when I meet them, when I engage them, begin to have a relationship with them, I don't push them away because maybe they're a baby in Christ and they're cussing, still talking about people, still need some sanctification that needs to come so that we can ultimately do some replication. So when I get sanctified, when I'm, when I'm walking like Christ, then now I want to replicate that by going and reach somebody else, amen, and help them to grow up and get more sanctified. There's a process. Sanctification, I told you before, is threefold. We're, we're positionally sanctified, and as long as we're living, we should be getting more and more sanctified, being more and more like Christ, and then when Jesus comes or when we face the avenue of death, then now we're going to be perfectly sanctified. No more sin, no more, no more heartaches, no more pain, no more, no more, no more living waverly. We're going to be perfect in, 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 in the presence of a holy God, guys. So we want to we want to salvation, sanctification and replication. That's what we want to do. We engage people where they are in their spiritual journey. So in other words, if I come and meet somebody who may be saved, but they're still a baby Christian, I don't throw them away because their mind ain't right. Let me say it again. I don't throw them away because they may be down here and I may be right here. I got to reach down and help pick them up. Are y'all with me today? So I don't kick them to the curb because they still a baby Christian. They're thinking like somebody who's not really close to the Lord because they're not. They, they say, but they don't have that close fellowship. And, and, and last key point, I want you to just make a note of. We understand that growth in Christ is best experienced in authentic community with other believers. Authentic community. Go back to Ephesians, the fourth chapter with me right here. Look at verse 14 through 16. Authentic community. 
Growth in Christ is best experienced in authentic community with other believers. Watch what the text says now. Listen to me carefully. So authentic community means that it's not fake. And y'all got fake friends. Anybody that say that it's your friend, but y'all really, y'all, 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 y'all talk is at the surface level. See, surface level talk means that, that maybe you're, you're an acquaintance, but you don't, you, don't, you don't have friendship in the truth of the word friendship like the Bible says. The Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. See, a true friend y'all can talk about. Whatever you need to talk about, y'all may fall out, y'all may get mad, but y'all coming back together. You don't, you, don't, you don't take the relationship and throw it away because y'all had a disagreement. That's true friends. See, if, if somebody gets mad at you and walks away from the friendship because you told them the truth about themselves, they were not really your true friend. They, or let me put it this way. They don't understand what true friendship really is. Because some of y'all want people to tell you how good you are and don't tell you the bad stuff. Hello. I said some of y'all are in, in connection with people and all you want to hear is how good you are and don't want to hear the warts that you got in your life or have those warts or those blind spots to be pointed out. One of the things I can appreciate and I tell uh, every husband this, and this is my wife does this for me. My wife is, 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 has a doctor degree in telling me what's wrong with me. <laughs> now, I say that facetiously with a sense of humor. Because I understand that she's going to tell me stuff that nobody else may not tell me. Hello? See, even you, she's going to tell me some things that, that nobody else may not tell me. It's, it's a, you may not feel comfortable telling me as the pastor of the church, but she'll tell me. That sermon didn't hit on nothing. Not, she don't say it that way. She said, I didn't quite get what you were saying. And if you preach enough times, there are going to be some times I believe God allows it to not to fall on deaf ears. Because, see, if you preach enough times, you, 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 there are going to be some times where what you say is not going to resonate. So you go back to the drawing board and say, God, i got to rely on your Holy Spirit because I can't do this with my own wisdom and intellect. Because man is so prideful that man will begin to think that it's all about him and his doctorate degree or his study habits that gave that great sermon or his oratorical ability. And God lets something fall flat and nobody knows what you're talking about just so you can get back to yourself and not be built up in pride. So, so, so we need people in our lives who will tell us when we, you know, maybe not quite where we need to be. And true friends will do that. And when they do that, you don't pull away from them. Now think about yourself. How many of you have people in your life that can do that for you? And y'all stay connected. How many of y'all got somebody in your life who can talk to you about you? And you don't throw an attitude. Well, if you do throw an attitude, you, you get over it real quick because you know they're telling you what you need to hear. You need somebody in your life like that. I'm going to say it again. You need somebody. I'm the cap. You need somebody in your life who will tell you the truth about yourself. Now, if you don't have that, try to get that. So my wife does that for me and I do it for her. Now, does that does that cause for some tension sometimes? Absolutely. Can I get two married people in here who raise their hand and say, I know what you're talking about, preacher? <laughs> 
it, it can cause some tension. But here's what I always say. And I, I, tell you all, I tell couples all the time. Listen, that person who loves you, they ain't trying to hurt you. If they mind right, they ain't trying to hurt you. Because you are a part. Of, why would I want to hurt my own self? If the two became one flesh, which is what the Bible says, when I, when I do good, she does good. And when she does good, I do good. If she, if she prospers on the job, get a promotion, get a raise, guess what? We both get a raise. It's not, well, you know, I got, I got this money over here. I ain't going to tell him I got this raise, you know, because I'm good. What kind of stuff is that? The two of one flesh. And what I have is available for her and what she has is available for me. So, but guys, we, we need people in our life. We understand that growth in Christ is best experienced through authentic community with other believers. My goodness. I ain't going to finish this today, y'all. But I, but I got to, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm next week, we're going to take a look at the men that Jesus chose to be those apostles. And we're going to look at some of their frailties. But yet Jesus chose them. Watch it. Are y'all, look at Ephesians 4, verse 14. Watch this. Then we were no longer. Now back up. Let's, let's go back. Let's go back to verse number, verse number. Go back to verse number 11 with me right quick. Can you back up to 11? Let's read. Can we read out loud on purpose? Let's read. Ready to read. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility, those five-fold ministry gifts, their responsibility is what? To equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Now look at the next verse. Watch this. This will continue until what? We all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we'll be mature, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That's why I, I differ with people theologically who say that there are no more apostles. Because some, some are the opinion that, that the apostles, in the truest sense, the apostles were those who saw Jesus, the red, saw Jesus in the flesh. And they say no, nobody in modern day time has saw Jesus in the, in, the, in the flesh. Well, the work of an apostle is still needed today. Apostolic work, planning churches, overseeing churches is still needed today. And this, this verse says those, those, those ministry gifts, what were they, apostles? Evangelists, prophets, pastors, teachers, those five, four minutes gifts, they are there to build up the church, to prepare and equip the body of Christ to do the work. And this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So, so I always ask this question. Well, if, 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 if those things are going to continue until we measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ. The question I have today is, are we all measured up to the full and complete standard of Christ? Absolutely not. I know I'm not. So we still need those gifts out there doing their thing to build us up till we come to such unity in our faith that we're just like Christ. The full, it says, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Y'all with me today? Now look at 14 and 15. What 14 and 15 says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Next verse says what? Let's read. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. We will do what? Speak 
the truth in love. Now, some of y'all offend people by the way you talk to. Them. Can we can we park that just for a second? Some of some of you on here, are, you know, I know you tell the truth, and I know you you, you say, Pastor, I just tell it like a tit is. Well, there's a way to tell it like a tit is, in the spirit of love. Let me go to this side of it. Y'all, y'all, y'all don't listen to this side. There's a way to talk to people. And the Bible gives us the word says instead we will do what? Speak the truth in love, in love, in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Speaking the truth in love is, is, is something that if we will learn to do, guys, it will help us. In our walk with God, it'll help us to be able to reach those people who we're in connection with. I told you on last week that many of us in the last couple of weeks, many of us are afraid to engage fully and completely because we've been offended and hurt by people. In the church. I said in the church. Let me say it again. In the church. And for some reason, we thought that when you get a room full of <coughs> Say people who, who got issues, just like you got issues, that everything's going to be perfect and nobody in the, in, the, in, in, the, in the same church with people with issues who have faults, that we're going to have all these folks in there with faults go come together and everybody's going to do what they're supposed to do. Who told you that? See, when we, when we falter, it's because we're not growing in our faith. We should be growing in our faith to the point to where some, some of this minor, minuscule stuff shouldn't throw us off track. But the fact remains, when we're not growing, we'll let stuff get under our skin. We'll get mad at the preacher. We'll blame everybody except the person in the mirror. Look at the man in the mirror. Look at the person in the mirror. Because I tell you before, nobody can make you mad. You get mad on your own. Because being mad and being angry is how you choose to respond to something. I don't, listen, there are some folks who get mad at what somebody says and, and the next person will laugh at it. So if that person could make you mad, then everybody would have been mad because they said something, but this person here chose to brush it off. But you took it as an insult and you got angry. Nobody can make you mad. It's what's on the inside of you. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Verse 16, watch this. It says, he makes the whole body do what? Fit together perfectly. Who does? Who? Back up to the verse. I need y'all to answer this right. Come on, look at it. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more like who? Christ, who is what? The head of his body, what? So Christ is the head of what? I thought Doyle Adams was the head of the church. No, it's not me. It's Christ. I'm an under shepherd who's been assigned to this place here for the past 31 years to help equip you. But I'm not the head of the church. It ain't about me. It's about Jesus. He's the head of the church. He's the head of his body of the church. Now, now let's roll into this next verse. He, who is he? Christ makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it does what? It helps the other parts grow. Now, look, look at this, guys. Look at this as I get ready to close. Look at this. As each part. Now, you got to do your part. I, I'm, I'm going to tell the truth. Some of y'all have been holding out on your part. Some of y'all have not engaged. Some of y'all have not uh, e- e- 
chosen to equip yourself. Some of y'all are not chosen to be empowered by Holy Ghost. And so now you holding out on us. And this verse here says, when you do your part, it helps the other parts grow. So maybe some of us are not growing because you're not engaged in being equipped and letting your gift be utilized to advance the kingdom principles. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does his own special work, it helps the other parts to grow. That means we need each other. So the whole body is healthy and growing and what? Full of love. Now, the equipping process, I got got about a minute left. Let me go through these right quick. So to equip the church for unity and service, God gives every believer a spiritual gift, a special ability to be used in service to God's people for the expansion of his kingdom. Everybody say, I got a gift. All right. Now, these gifts include empowerment for the leaders. In other words, he gave some apostles, some prophets, evangelists, some pastors and teachers. We just read that, right? Next thing, their purpose is for equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. And that's, that's three classifications of spiritual gifts. And, but we just look at these, these what we call uh, ministry gifts, evangelist, pastor, teaching, all those. But there are other, there's Holy Spirit gifts. Um, we don't have time to go into today, but there, there are three classifications in the scripture where you see three classifications of spiritual gifts. All right, so to understand the church, all you have to do is understand your body. It's a living organism composed, what, of many parts working in harmony to contribute to the whole. So if you, if you, if you understand your body, how your body works, you know, your feet, I put shoes on this morning on these feet so I could walk to my car, get in my car, drive my car, get out of my car, walk grand to the hospitality room and walk in my office. I, I need feet to do that. If I didn't have any feet... And my legs would cut off at the knees. I'd have to try to do this and that'd be very difficult, wouldn't it? All right. But those feet are there to enable me to walk appropriately. Every part of my body has a function and a purpose. Truth be told, I don't want none of it taken off. I don't want no surgeon to have to take nothing off of me that that don't, that don't supposed to be off of me. (laughs) You got me? So to understand the church, all you have to do is understand the body. It's a living organism composed of many parts working in harmony to contribute to the whole. That's what we are doing here at the church. You have gifting that we need. Let's utilize those gifting, okay? Paul says the church is Christ's body, and the church will only grow and mature when all the parts operate in harmony and in unity. Listen to that. The church will only grow and mature when all the parts operate in harmony and unity. So you have giftings that are designed to help the church grow and it has to be in unity. It's kind of like if you play the piano and you sit down there, uh, people won't get blessed if they don't know what you're playing. Right? How many of y'all know how to play the piano? Anybody? Faye's over there. Now, Faye could come up here and begin to play this piano. And you could probably distinguish. Now, if I get up and do this, and you don't know what that is, right? Now, I could... That still ain't... That ain't nothing. You, you can't follow that, but somebody who can play will have everybody singing together. But if I got there and start trying to play, y'all wouldn't know what to sing. 
And it wouldn't be a good atmosphere. Y'all be talking, oh, Holy Ghost, thank you. No, you'd be like, oh, Lord Jesus. Hurry up and let me get out of this place. Watch this, guys. Paul said the church is Christ's body, and the church will only grow and mature when all the parts operate in harmony and in unity. Last point here, and we're going to pick up on next week. Our relationship to the corporate body. Hear me carefully. Our relationship to the corporate body is crucial to our own spiritual development and the development of the church. Let's read that out loud on purpose. Ready to read. Our relationship to the corporate body, the church as a whole, is crucial to our own spiritual development and the development of the church. So that old adage, well, I, I'm doing good by myself. I'm, I'm, I don't need to. I just come to church and, and leave and get, get, my, get, my, get my music in my, in my message. And then I, I'm going home and I, I'll see y'all next week. No, that's, no, that, you can't grow like that. You have something that we need and we have something that you need. Your gifting, our gifting, working in concert helps the body to grow. Everybody say, let's get equipped. Every head bowed, every eye closed.